It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah! <laughs> What's good? Tybus, man, you 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 look like you in that jail cell, bro. <laughs> you you got that wall behind you. I like your microphone though, man. What's going on, Tybus? You like that? Listen, this is uh gifted to me actually from uh my podcast company. They you know they gave me some top of the line stuff. So oh, you know yeah, you got yeah, the, you got the you got the podcast company now. You see what happened? He get a couple checks. He just had to do his thing, man. I appreciate you for really? joining us today. To my right, Jason Lloyd in the building. How you doing, Jason? Let's go. I'm great, Garrett. Are you good? I'm you good. good. You ready? I'm Jason, good. I told you, listen, you ready to talk that talk today? Last time they had you, you was in a prison cell, but you was in the I hotel. was in the prison cell. Yeah. No, I was, a, I was in my house. That was your house? That was, or that, house. was uh, that was your house. Yeah, See, that's messed up when somebody's house looks like a hotel. That's messed up, bro. <laughs> I don't like that, Jason. <laughs> Brad, OG in the building. What's up, Brad? I'm happy to be here, baby. Man, what we got going oh, today? Oh, man? Oh, we about to get at it today. Hey, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was Steve. I was with some lawyers all weekend. I'm Steve today. I'm, I'm hey. hot. Hey, you know how we give it up, man. We we come right off the bat. McNuggets was good, man. How you do, are you living good back there? Hey, we're doing good. It was a good weekend. We got Jason in the middle, not in the baby chair. Ooh, so Jason, oh, yeah, welcome. Yeah, yeah. I get a big chair. Yeah, yeah, I get a real chair. Today, and we got a lot on the docket to get to. So let's have a good one. It's let's Monday. Get, it's Monday. Let's get to it. And, and first and foremost, Deshaun Watson definitely, 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 definitely is the topic of conversation. You look at it. Uh, you know, the league has stepped up and said, all right, we're going we gonna, we gonna to do the appeal thing. The Players Association, Brad talked about a little bit uh, last week. Are they ready to go to the mat? It looks like they stamped their, their button of approval here. And now you look at it right now. Uh, the suspension conclusion is up on the board. Six-game suspension without pay. Can only use uh, Brown's team masseuses. That was a little shot. Threw that in. Don't go nowhere Loose. else. And must stay out of trouble. So the, this was what uh, Judge Sue L. Robinson put down, uh, and this was the actual thing that the league said. No, it should be more. It should be stiffer. Now, Mr. Harvey is in deliberation on what he wants to do, and make no bones about it, he is in cahoots with the NFL. I'll start with you, Brad. Over over to the right, Brad. Is this something that they're upset with, or is this just a, a, a ploy to get? To to Deshaun Watson um, to say you better be remorseful. You got to come on back. And basically, what we're gonna do is we're gonna embarrass you a little bit here because you didn't say that you was remorseful. Sue Robinson said you didn't want remorseful. Your thoughts? Well, I, I, I'm not sure that the league is out here trying to embarrass them, right? I think the league is responding pacey to the public pressure that's out here, right? I believe from the beginning they didn't think it was gonna be all this smoke coming their way. Now they're catching smoke. 
and where there's smoke, they, you know, they, they're trembling a bit, right? And so, obviously, it's a serious situation. Accusations are serious, right? But there is a process and procedure uh, that has to be followed to accomplish the goals. I think everybody wants to I think anybody sitting in any one of our seats thinks one thing. we just like to see the process play itself out in a fair and honorable way. Now, you bring Harvey in here to, to, to adjudicate the case. I mean, this is pretty much tantamount to inside trade. He didn't want to help shape the uh, player uh, uh, discipline policy with the NFL. I mean, he is already in cahoots with, with Goodell. How is this lack of a word of arbitration even clear and fair here? Because you've already got somebody who is, who is, is not non-biased. He has to be biased to some degree. And I think this is where this is going, and I want to see what Goodell and them do with it. Jason, your thoughts? Is this something that the league is saying, hey, we really disappointed by this? Or is it something to say, we want you to have to go back and reinstate. So therefore, you got to prove to us again after the indefinite suspension, you're what you're really ready and done a lot of different things to get back into the league. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's going to be indefinite. I do think it's going to be significant. I think it'll probably be a year if not indefinite and as soon as Peter Harvey came up as the guy who's going to hear the case I, I knew that name and I had to do a quick Google search I'm like why why do I know that name and it's because it's Rogers henchman more or less <laughs> uh, you know he's a guy that they have deep ties uh, Harvey's ties to the NFL run deep so you know the, the Browns from the beginning have said that they've done their due diligence on this and I know people sort of rolled their eyes on that and you know I've, I've come on here and said multiple times that it was my understanding, going as far back as when the trade was made, the Browns were cautiously optimistic that there was not going to be a suspension of significant amount of time, kind of what you were saying, yeah. Brad. I think they were thinking six to eight range. Clearly, that has changed. I tend to believe the Browns had a feeling from the league it was going to go one way, and sort of what Brad was saying, the public pressure has now sort of veered the league over to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, sorry about that. It's going to... It's gonna be it's gonna be more than what we what we originally thought. That is that's something new I haven't examined. You are going on the premise that maybe the Browns did talk to the league. Maybe they floated it out there and they said, Okay, well this is preliminary six to eight, right? And then once the public outcry ratcheted up, yeah, it was like mm. I wanna be clear, I don't think that the Browns no one has ever told me that the Browns had a number in mind before they made the trade. Right. I in fact I pressed a number of people in the organization what are you thinking? And no one would ever give me a number. I just kind of deduced on my own, probably six to eight. I've said that all along. It would be around that six to eight range based on past precedent. And, and that's where it fell originally. But I do tend to believe, and, and no one has told me this directly, just trying to like put enough of the pieces together. I think the Browns made the trade believing it was going to be this and public pressure has pushed the NFL now over here. Well, because, you know, I want Tyvis to punch in here. Because Tyvis is a member, was a member of the NFLPA, mm -hmm. right? Which I think is doing a, a um, how can I phrase it? Trash. Yeah. Disservice. Terrible. Terrible. It's awful. <laughs> Horrible. It is awful. And then, no look, good, very I mean, bad it's, look. it's awful to the extent. Stealing of, money. Is yeah, what well, you yeah, say. they're stealing your money. I would, that's the guarantee, <laughs> bro. <laughs> bro, here, because I, I would say this. But if you just this, uh, you dissect Peter C. Harvey. Mm -hmm. Just just dissect the guy that got adjudicating the case, right? 
So he is not only tied to the NFL, he helped write the the the, uh, the player personnel uh, uh, discipline policy. Helped in that. He's on he, the diversity committee. He's on the diversity committee, right? But hold on, let's go back for He's a prosecutor by nature, right? And let's go to the final thing. He specializes in sexual assault. How are you even hearing this? <laughs> that you're already on the other. I mean, there's no way you could come to me and tell me this is a non-biased person that's willing to probably entertain the yeah. thing. He might be a fair and honorable dude, but I like no. I don't even like the seeds of it, right? Yeah. And how the NFLPA, Tyvis is not up in arms because there's nobody pushing back for Watson and then even about Watson and nobody pushing back for the 10 years of uh, people that come behind Watson. Yeah, like and, and here's the here's the here's the sad part. The head of the NFL PA is making double with the with the NFL, uh, the, the Major League Baseball uh, head of the union is making making well more than the NBA uh, head of the union is making. And they're killing the NFL and and uh, in their performance, so something is wrong here. Tyvis, in, in this case, you, you you were part of the union. Are you kind of surprised that, to Brad's point, you have not seen Demore Smith or any representation fighting back on at least the narrative of Deshaun Watson? It's very alarming, G. Like for them to get paid the money that they are getting paid and. For us to trust in them and believe in them, you know, that because they say that we're we are your legal team, you know, we're going to make sure that the NFL doesn't get over on you. And right now, it seems like they're not holding up their end of the deal. We what is the point of us paying all this money if you out here letting the NFL just completely dominate you in this? And y'all have already made rookie mistakes by putting out statements before decisions was even made and now that that decision has been made and now you see that the nfl is appealing it you haven't issued a statement or anything i think the the, the nfl has to find a way players in, involved all i mean players included have to find out a way to get together on this and say forget deshaun watson it's not about deshaun watson anymore we got to find out a way to overcome this cba deal that we've already agreed to because it's terrible we can't we can't get to where we want to go and it's not fair for us in any part of it if this does happen again in the future the same thing is going to happen to whoever it is so we need to find out a way to make this thing fair so we all have a chance because that's all we that's all we care about it's not whether or not Deshaun Watson should be punished it's about can we get a fair process and that right there is what everybody is overlooking and I give Tyvis a lot of credit because Tyvis is about one of the most fairest guys I know. Well, Tyvis from Warrenville, so we just, yeah, we'll, we'll right. leave that alone. We'll leave that alone. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't claim the Bedford thing. How are you doing that? He from Warrenville. Hey, I went to <laughs> <laughs> I started in Warrenville. <laughs> All right, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. He's fair, right? Let's just, just talk about it. Because this is, I, I'm clear about it, right? I said, let it go where it goes. If Watson did something, he's going to answer the bell for it. He's going to pay for the price. I said, but. The process, Jason, is not it's not fair here. The, they have done they have taken Sue L. Robinson's decision, and now it's de facto de facto the gospel. She took the evidence that she was given and she came up with her professional opinion. She said, a presumption of, 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 of the uh, presumption of the evidence I have, I feel like he did this, right? Which is fine. You also have two grand juries in Texas. That I think is, a, is is at least of a higher standard, right? Criminal, and they came up with a different conclusion, right? Not that they said he didn't do it, but we didn't have enough evidence to say that he did do it, right? So now, how can you have one pit against the other? But when you hear the narrative on the street, 
It's only Sue Robinson's narrative, right? And somebody has to be there to at least keep this the levels um, level and, and fair, right? And the NFLPA to me, they're missing in action. I don't, I don't even see them, right? Not only this. So go, go ahead, Jason. What what do you want them to? What should they be doing? They should be advocating for the fairness of the how process. How do you do that? Well, how do you do it? First thing, you stand up and jump up and down. Talk about the hell. This ain't fair. This is not what we bargained for, right? We bargained for you to bring in your own henchman at the end. And then, well, well why do we even do the dance? Brad, well, Brad, they all they're gonna say is that we agreed to a deal. And and I take you back to that whole process when they agreed to the deal. All players was concerned about was getting paid and getting guaranteed contracts and not having to play that that 17th game. But once the NFL compensated them for not even going to the 17 game season that first season, it kind of threw everything out the out the window. They didn't even pay attention to the trial or anything because in in everybody's mind, we're not going to be the ones that have to deal with it. We're never going to be in this situation. And, and, and All we the, care about is the win. That's and that's problem. where we got burnt at. We got burnt on that because we didn't. And that's the problem. And, and our and NFLPA did too because they told us that it was a great deal. Well, but here, that's what I said. That's the problem in, in, in the union itself. The, the one issue is that leadership has the top, has the, I told you, it's an incestuous relationship if you don't create a, a, a line of demarcation here that everybody knows who's on, on what side. And there has to be players in the NFL that saw this coming. You couldn't tell me a guy like Richard Sherman, who are smart people, right. right, didn't see this coming, right? And so what well, what, what leagues do is no. they take a carrot and hold it out to the top guys at the top, right? And then the top guys don't fold, all right? So they go along with the ship, and then they sell everybody else down the river is basically what happens. But Tyrus, I'm wondering kind of what you were saying. Mm-hmm. As there, when, you're, when you're bargaining a, a collective bargaining, when you're negotiating this, there are so many different components to doing a deal like this. Did th- do you think this just sort of slid under the radar on the NFLPA because it's one of those things. I mean, how often does this come up? Roethlisberger, Ezekiel Elliott. Like, it's it's once every X number of years. And to your point, mm-hmm. guys are like, well, this ain't going to be me. I don't have to worry about it. Do you think that this part of it, just because it was at the time maybe not as important as the money and some of the other stuff, that this part of the deal just sort of slid under the radar? I, I definitely 100 100- percent agree that that's what happened i mean like i say nobody was worried about no legal things everybody was worried about the 17th game and the money you know everybody wanted to get these guaranteed contracts and that was the number one thing that was on anybody's mind now where i'm mad is that the nflpa should be the ones reading everything and right. they shouldn't let anything go through if you, we paying you all this money because everybody's seen my check. I'll send it to you, Jason, on the side so you can see how much they make. But <laughs> if we oh. pay you all this money, you're supposed to hold our best interest. And if that means that you want to fight for something like this, and you you should not come out publicly and say that this is a great deal and I encourage everybody to sign it. If you know that that's in there and your job is to read the whole CBA and understand that it's fair for us as well because we're the ones paying you, then no, you should have never came well, out and yeah, well, Tyler, let, me, let, me, Tyler, let me tell you this because huh, I appreciate you sharing that information because I went back and extrapolated the math mm-hmm. on here. The math is ridiculous. <laughs> I see how much they're making. I'm like, first thing I'm asking, where the hell is the money going? Who getting the money? And then the second thing I said, let's I want you to sit here without you knowing the gory details. The head of the major league uh, baseball players union, which is probably the best union in all the sports, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Followed by the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The head of the union is making $1.5 million. 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. They was paying, they was paying Smith $5 million in the NFL. Wow. I, now let me go to the NBA. Okay. It wasn't five. It was four, four point, point nine, whatever it was. It was ridiculous, <laughs> right? Right. The, the NBA's uh, uh, head of the union, she makes two million dollars. So you tell me, first of all, you're gonna pay him five million dollars. How much are they extracting from the players for the union, right? And then I don't. There's no way you're getting the representation that deserve uh, that you deserve because I will tell you, Tyrus just asked the question. You know whose job it was to make sure that the, the devil in the details were done, right? Because the players aren't concerned about the money. Somebody's got to be looking long term. It's the head of the unit. It's the guy making five million dollars. While y'all was talking, I was over here. I was getting my stats together. I had to. I wasn't just chilling. Now, not only is it the players, you got to look at the, the the arbitration overall with the coaches. Now, so these are direct quotes. When we talk about it, you know. Arbitration looks like where the NFL puts cases to go to die and you look at it. So the NFL is not only forcing Flores to go to arbitration. They're trying to force uh, John Gruden to submit his lawsuit against the league and Commissioner Ryan Goodell into arbitration. The league based on publicly uh, available court filings is trying to claim Gruden's situation falls under the NFL Constitution and bylaws. In those NFL constitutions and bylaws, they are also forcing Brian Flores, who's already suing the NFL mm -hmm. for discrimination, racial discrimination, as well. He's suing for the exact same thing Gruden is. They said that the uh, NFL arbitration hearing is a place that the NFL puts over there, and they, they basically send the case to arbitration, and then they're the final judge in arbitration. Both of those individuals are fighting that in court today. So it looks like it's not about the play, just the players. It's the NFL's overall yeah, feel of the situation. They've done this over and over again. So it, it I'll ask you, Jason, is this something that the NFL has a pattern of doing? And if so, when you say, how can we fix this? Why aren't, why aren't the players association as well as the coaches coming up together referring the notes and saying we got a I, we got something for a class action lawsuit here if yours is wrong and mine's is wrong let's go ahead and share some notes i don't think it's a class action suit because you agree to this this you bargained for this deal and you agree to this deal if you want to change it you got to wait till it comes up again and you got to change it the next time and the nfl is going to want concessions they want you to give something back that's how this works and if roger's not going to be the end all be all final say on on these hearings I don't. I, and Tyvis, you would know better than I what the what the what the league would be after that they want the players to give up. Oh, they want. They you want to give something to up. Give, they want the players to give up um, the pensions and all the the long term health 
care of stuff. That's that's the first thing because when uh, Demore Smith came in, he said that you guys want guaranteed contracts. He said the first thing that the NFL is going to ask for is that we're not paying those pension plans and that health care once uh, you're done playing. That's oh, the and that's a big that's a big ask oh, for yes, like the oh, people so, that. Oh yes, they are going to fund those pension plans. Yeah. They absolutely are going to fund those pension plans. That's why your leadership at the top got to be on top of their job here. They're going to fund them pension plans. You got people walking around here with CT and Cripple. all kind of nonsense. Yeah. I mean, I'm watching these guys come to the gym later on in life. These are guys like 25 years out of the league, and I'm like, man, could, you barely getting around. Can you explain to me? And I, 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 you know, I did a random blog on this, and 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 I, sometimes I just don't feel the media does a really good job of this. When they did the CTE concussion stuff, right? Yeah. There's a billion, what a bill, about a billion plus dollars in that fund to be dispersed to players who have injuries, long-term injuries. That was only after they first disputed. That was only at first <laughs> disputed. Then they use racial norming in order to eliminate half of the African American quarter, not the quarterbacks, but African American players in general, and. The league said, yeah, you're right. This is probably a bad thing we're doing. We got to wait to find something else better to kind of. And so my thought process is why is it not the even a players association on that level gone after the league? Because here's the thing to me, the league does something. The players don't say anything. They kind of fix it. They go on to the league does something again. Why is the league not? Why is the players association not proactive? And going after them on certain things that they know they can win. That's a slam dunk they're just case. Not, they're just not very good. <coughs> they're not very good. That's the what basic. Is they're just not very good. Do you think? And I'm actually this time, this because we got you, Brad, here for with the. And he's been a part of the NBA Players Association. Um, they've the NFL. Or you you covered the NBA. The NBA and Major League Baseball have shown that they will and have. They will go lock out. Oh, we'll leave. They'll strike. We'll leave. The Tybus, do the NFL players have that same stomach for saying we're at we're at wit's ends here? This may be the only way we can get things changed. It's well, that's the thing, G. That's the thing, G. History would tell you that no, they won't go that far. Because like I tell you, it's people blow money fast in the NFL. You know, people don't have money to to withstand not playing in those regular season games. Nobody wants to let those eighteen to twenty thousand dollar checks just go uncashed, you know? So the one that is one thing that you have to find a way to be able to compensate people during those hard times. Like like Brad would say, Zeke told him, you better hold on. I feel sorry for you. If you don't everybody ain't gonna make it. That's what that's what everybody not gonna make it. It's 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 the NFL. In the NFL, that's not hey, that's not flying, Brad. They, they people need that money. And if it's if the vote is for every individual player, nobody has to know what you voted. So you you got people that'll tell you, yeah, I voted no, but in in actuality they voted yes and the thing about the nfl i don't think it's as close as other leagues are like i don't think people are willing to like like the deshaun watson you go ask somebody in i don't know pittsburgh about deshaun watson you know what they're gonna say it has nothing to do with us so why would i do something for that my checks mm. is gonna clash i'm gonna get paid this is it's too much selfishness i think right now for people to to realize the bigger picture. So that's why you're going to have people come together and walk out of practices and stuff like that. People talk about like this, and I'll I'll give a street example. People, we talk about the violence in Chicago all the time, 
for by the BDs and the GDs and Crips and Bloods, and they say, why can't some old old heads like Larry Hoover, old heads, get them together, yeah. sit them down, on, on, you know, at the table and say, we're going into all this foolishness, and, and they basically ask the guys, the, the, the kids that's in the street, and they say, man. We ain't trying to hear none of that. Right. Trying from these old heads. We ain't, I'm worried about what I'm doing tomorrow. And that that gets me like the, the, the mentality of NFL players that are younger at this point. I'd show me that bad. So I ju- I'll just say this because I know that we, we're going to talk about some other things today because we beat this Watson thing up every day, right? But I but I but I, I I'll say I'll say this: the NFLPA has a job to do, and it is to advocate for the entire body, and it just ain't it's just not Deshaun Watson, right? And you can advocate for the body without advocating for Watson at the same time. Yes, you can. Now, Watson on the other side, you know, he got the criminal defense attorney, Rusty Harden, who did his job in Texas, right? He's in need of, he need because he, he needs some PR people. <laughs> Wait, he don't travel? And Rusty and, Harden ain't did nothing in Ohio. He needs a team that pushes back for this during the process just so that you can get to a place where you can have a legitimate and fair hearing. That's all I'm saying, right? Jason, I'll give you the last word on it. Um, thought processes on, on with Deshaun Watson. Is there any way that he can get in there, get with, with Goodell and say, hey, I know she said six. I know 12 was a number before that you guys said. Is that a possibility? If he wants to play this year, I think he's going to have to take 12 if that's even still on the table. Uh, I, I don't think it looks good for the Browns. As soon, like I said, as soon as I saw Peter Harvey's name, I thought, man, this is not going to go. I think he's out for the year at this point. I've thought six to eight all along. No one's told me that. That's just me putting my finger in the wind and trying to figure out where this is headed. I think it's likely going to be a year. I said point. on Friday, they should be lining up to be in Delaware because this is where this is headed, right? There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a suit coming here, right? And it should be filed immediately. But it's a race, right? It's, it's a, a race it's against a, the clock. It's a race against the clock. They want to go to the Southern District of New York. Right. And as soon as they hit go on that, it's whoever gets to defile the case first, right. and and guess what? That's even a little bit rigged because I'm pretty sure they somebody gonna tip the NFL office off first. Right. So here here's the story. So the story is that there there's there's more games to play. Because to Jason's point, I think they coming for the whole the NFL's coming for the whole kit and caboodle. Like no games now. I came to you for twelve and eight million dollar fine. You walked away from. Now I'm gonna teach you mm. about this. Well, there is one teaching moment. Um, Kareem Hunt, <laughs> he came out mm. and said, "I'm this is something new. I'm going to strike in. I'm yeah. not holding out. I'm gonna come to practice. I'm gonna do a sit in. I'm gonna sit in. <laughs> I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna be perfectly healthy, and I'm just not gonna do drills or nothing. I'm gonna post up." And Kevin Stefanski, uh, he pulled up and said, uh, "You know, Kareem's a good guy." Um, you know, we're good him together, and obviously, he's a poor from Bleacher Report. Kareem Hunt has requested a trade for the Browns uh, after not receiving a contract extension. Mary Kay Cabot of uh, uh, Cleveland.com beat reporter says Kevin Stefanski won't say much about Kareem Hunt's trade demand or hold out of team drills, but he acknowledged healthy player is not permitted to sit out of drills. Wouldn't say this is uh, wouldn't say if they were finding him uh, or not, but they are. Yeah. Of course, they are. They have to. Well. I don't think they're finding him yet. I mean, he was a full participant yesterday. I was at camp and he no, was he, 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 he was participating in team drills. But I don't think like little actions. But I don't know that I, I don't I disagree. I don't think he's being fined yet. Now, if he is not there, they're going to find him. But he's there and participating. And, and like I said, yesterday he was involved in the team drills. 
He, the, I don't what, think they're finding him. Because finding him, what's finding him going to do? It was Friday and Saturday that he did the sit-in. Okay. Right? So the sit-in, so let me just let me just say this, Jason. He's going he's gonna to pay in some shape, form, or fashion because you have to send a message there or don't, don't bring the foolishness over here. Now, I understand why he's doing it, right? Because with Watson out, he said, you about to work me. <laughs> yeah, and, a, with, and a lot. I'm about and to be a workhorse here. This is not this is not my extension that I signed up for. I was spending time with with Hunt. I mean, with a Chubb here. That's what I was doing. Now, if Watson is out and Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback, oh, I'm about to be a workhorse here, which is good for me in the end because you know the chance to bring him back next year, he won't. Be are probably slim. He won't be back. right. And but he like no 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 no. You're gonna work me. You're gonna compensate me for this extra work here. And 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 it has been done before. I played with guys on in, in, in prominent teams in the NBA that were looking for extensions during the year, right? Mm-hmm. One of them I can I won't call any names. One of <laughs> one of them that I backed up. Uh huh. We would throw him the ball up ahead, right? And then the ball would go out of his hand, would just go through his hands, right? This side of we knew was, the game was on. He would do like this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Like, what's yeah, going? Man. Who's going on my nubs right now? Coach, be like, Brad, go get him. <laughs> get him out. Get him up out of here. Now, now, Jason, does does Kareem Hunt? We all know, right? Uh, his, this is his contract: uh, two years, twelve million, five and a half guaranteed. Two years will be a free agent in twenty twenty three. Does he have any leverage whatsoever? No, no, he got none. What leverage does he have? Like, first of all, he's a backup. Mm-hmm. He's not even a starter. He's a backup. He's good enough to be a star in the NFL, no question. Yes. But on this team, you're a backup. He's coming off injury, barely played last year. Now, some of that, you know, maybe if the Browns were in it late in the year, he, maybe he's back on the field. But the numbers are the numbers. He did not have a good year last year. And you're a backup. What are you doing? And by the way, the team has far more important issues going on right now than you. Read the room, dude. So, I don't know what he's trying to accomplish here. And, Brad, I hear what you're saying yeah. about you're going to work me. Well, guess what? The Browns were the team that gave him a second chance when no one else was going to touch yeah. him. They jumped well, first. That, he's the one that signed the contract, yeah. and he has not outperformed that contract. Well, so that was, that you was, have no leverage. You have no leg to stand on. Get out on the field. Have a great year this year. Put up your numbers and get paid next year. Thomas, tell Jason that was yesterday's news. It's a new day today. have you dealt with? Have you dealt with a, a, a veteran? Say you in the back end, right? Have you been there when veterans, you backed up Sherman, you was with the Legion of Boom. Have you ever been ever in camp when you said, man, this dude won his bag, and, and all of a sudden he just like, mm, I'm not showing up? No, no, not necessarily. A lot of uh, those guys were pretty professional about it. They are more of the I'm going to show up, but I ain't doing nothing type thing. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I don't get fined. I'm gonna show up for practice, but I'm not I'm not about to take no no reps that I don't need. And a lot of the coaches understood what the situation would be, especially in Seattle. They were very uh, lenient towards those things. But yeah, no. I, and Jason's wrong. I, Jason, you're wrong. <laughs> Tell me why. Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt has some type of leverage. I mean, this is a first of all, running backs get hurt a lot in, in, in the NFL. That's one. Two. For you sure. need a guy. You need a guy who's proven. Yeah, Dearness Johnson has some a couple of games last year, but they got Kareem a guy Hunt, who's proven, Nick Chubb. No, no. Okay, he, he goes down. What happens? 
You got Darius Johnson. You got the rookie Ford. You've got other options. Okay. Now, I'm going to throw up. Don't, now don't, now we, we make it on a fifth rounder. Okay. I'm about to say, we're not about <laughs> to put our – going to put our chips on, all a, on a, a guy that we haven't seen in the NFL play yet? Not at all. Kareem Hunt definitely has some leverage. With this all going on, everybody knows that – he a is going to be a more featured this season because of the Deshaun Watson information. And two, he scores a lot of touchdowns when he is healthy enough to play. Now, last year he was hurt and he is coming off an injury, but he's been looking really good this season. So with that being said, I want to get paid. He's 27 years old, going on 28. Everybody knows that the shelf lives of running backs is not that long in the NFL. So you got to hit that check when you can hit that check. And that's exactly what he's going for. All he wants is some stability and, and show me that you care for me and that you love me and that you appreciate my services while I'm still young. That's that's basically what he's coming to them saying. If not, trade me to somebody else that will. Because like I said, he's not, this is, might be the only time he has the chance to really get a bag. Well, we've seen this before, right? Like David Njoku basically went to went to them and said, trade me. When they mm-hmm. drafted Harrison Bryant, when they signed Austin Hooper, Njoku looked around and said, there ain't no room at the end for me. Get me out of here. Browns wouldn't trade him. Right. Kevin Stefanski went and actually convinced him to sort of buy back in, get back in the boat. And now they've rewarded him with a contract that, frankly, I'm not sure he's earned. But now they've made him one of the highest paid tight ends. And he's the one that stuck out after while well, Harrison Bryant's still here, but now Hooper's gone before you and, but that. and real quick they did it with Baker mm-hmm. like Baker requested a trade. And they said, so no, they, we're not trading you they, until Watson changed his mind before you get that Brad. You really want to have a comment on that. Let's get McNuggets. You got somebody on the hotline ready to jump in and before we do that. Yeah, before we do that. I got one comment on this. I want to say I said in the group chat yesterday. I'd be the judge here. Jason's right. He has no leverage <laughs> and I do think though with that being said, they're both right. Kareem Hunt deserves and wants more money. He could ask for it. The Browns also don't have to so, cave. So, so let me ask though, before hey, you Brown, go further, <laughs> he does have a little leverage. And I, and I ain't even said nothing yet. Well, go I, ahead. We'll talk about I've that. I've never been to the up. training camp, but do you know who has? Tim Couch. And Tim Couch is joining us now via the Gridiron Guys hotline. Are you looking for a local roofer who you can trust? Family owned since 2003. The Gridiron Guys have grown to become Northeast Ohio's top rated roofers. They exemplify quality work practices and are a valued resource for homeowners and and offer a 10-year workmanship warranty. Call 330-573-7967 today for a free estimate or roof inspection. Tim, how you doing today, man? Grid, grid, grid. Grid iron, guys. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yo, Tim, what's oh going on, man? What's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Good, Tim. Tim. How you doing? We talking about Kareem doing Hunt great. here, man. Now, you, I think you played uh, at a time where... where they had was it William Green and Lee Suggs was in the backfield, and so you know That's both right, yeah. those guys are, are kind of you know fighting for some playing time and they've been being platoon. How tough is it to to have two good running backs, and you know you got a bell cow here, but you got another guy that you feel could be a top five back somewhere else, um, and and he wants his money. How do you handle that, and what are your thoughts on the situation with Kareem Hunt? Man, it's tough. It's tough to handle that. You know, um, looking at it from Kareem's point of view, you know, I think he's probably looking at what the top backs in the league are making right now. And he feels like he could he could go out and be one of those top guys if he was, you know, a number one somewhere else. He's obviously not going to be that in Cleveland with Nick Chubb. 
But, you know, I think he probably, you know, this is a guy that led the entire NFL in rushing a few years ago when he was with, with the Chiefs. So he feels like he's a top guy in the league. He probably feels like he should get, be getting top dollar. So, and it's hard to argue with that. The guy's a talented guy. But, you know, in Cleveland, all he's going to be, you know, is a you know part of a one-two punch with, uh, with, with he's I can understand his frustration and where he's coming from. And, you know, I think you guys, you guys mentioned, you know, he, he probably does feel like he's going to get more of a workload. Uh, this coming season with the situation at quarterback right now. So he does probably feel like he deserves to get more money for that as well. And, um, you know, but it, but it's tough. You know, you you uh, you want to keep everyone happy and you, you want to um, give everyone the football, but obviously you're going to lean more towards Chubb and, you know, and you, it's it gets to be a tough situation. But it's something that every team deals with throughout training camp uh, at some point with one position or another. So uh, the, I'm sure the coaching staff is well-versed in how to handle this and uh, hopefully they can get through it and get Kareem happy and, and get him out on the field and be a productive player this year. Tim, I don't know how much of the conversation you heard before you came on, but Tyvis and I disagree on how much leverage Kareem has. I say he has none. He's a backup. He has all he's of coming off. He's a backup and he's coming off a season when he was hurt. I don't care if they're going to use him more this year. He hasn't lived up to the contract right. he's already signed. So how much how much leverage do you believe as a former player? How much leverage does Kareem have in these in this negotiation? If it is even in, if it well, even you know, is, I, is that? I, Tell him straight. Tim. I, I can honestly see. <laughs> I can honestly see both sides of this because he is under contract, and you know the Browns are just going to sit back and say, "Listen, you signed the deal. You got a two-year extension here. I think you guys said it's for you know five and a half guaranteed, twelve million or whatever over two years. So they're just saying, look, you're you're fully under contract. You're healthy. You're going to be out on the field, and you're going to perform, or you're not going to get paid. And then you know from Green's point of view, you know I think uh, he he's he's thinking, okay, well if you know if I'm not here, then like you guys said. Who's going to get the ball if Nick Chubb gets hurt? Who are you going to lean on? Especially like we talked about with the quarterback situation the way it is. You need two backs right now because they're going to work these guys to death, especially early on in the season. So that would be the leverage that he has right now for sure. But at the end of the day, I would probably say he's under contract and he's uh, he's healthy and he's supposed to be out there playing with his team. It sounds like he with me, Jason, just to let you know. I so, sound like he's with me. No, he's with me. I'm, I'm with both you guys, man. He's with me. He's I'm going to play right, in the middle. I'm sitting right on the fence right here. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, it's officially game week for the Browns with all the stuff that's going on with the D-Watt stuff. In the quarterback's mind, how do he prepare for this game? Yeah, you know, I it's – um. I, you know, I think you got to go out and prepare like you're going to be the starter. You know, I think that's always the situation, you know, whether you're going to be playing or not, whether you're going to be a backup, you know, you always prepare like you're going to be the starter because you, you have to be, you know, mentally ready and stay mentally fresh and sharp. And, you know, he's he hasn't played in a while. So, you know, I'm sure he wants to get some game reps, get out there, feel a couple hits, um, you know, get comfortable within the offense. You know, it's one thing to call these plays in practice during training camp setting, but you know how it is when, you know, the preseason starts, the speed level goes up another notch, and obviously the regular season it goes up, the intensity and the speed goes up another notch. So I'm sure he wants to go out there and fill some game speed reps, get to the line of scrimmage, maybe audible a few times, take a few hits, um, you know, get used to processing information quickly, getting the football out of his hand quickly. So those are all the things you want to do as a quarterback in the preseason and just trying to get yourself uh, mentally and physically sharp for the season starts. So I, I would say this that uh, to Tyvis and Tim's point here that uh, Kareem Hunt has leverage is limited leverage, but it, he does have leverage because they know that he's going to try to work the uh, work the room. And so to, J, to Jason, you talk about he signed his contract. That measly little contract he got. That's a, 
kibbles and bits. I mean, ain't no money. I mean, it's not any real money. So that's why he like, I'm sitting this out. I need some money. Well, <laughs> feel, feel free to sit out and you'll get zero money. I'm getting yeah. some money here. Yeah, right? zero. It ain't, it ain't, I don't know because where I come from, Tim, this is what they do. They like, I had NBA All Stars. They were like, I'm sitting down. I need some money, right? We're going to have a conversation. Right. Now, some people got some money and some people got nothing. So we don't know what, <laughs> yeah. what Hunt is going to get. But let me just say this. I would just say this because Times made a point about it is NFL game day and we got to be prepared to play this week, Friday. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to think, and, you know, first of all, Tim, I don't know if you heard, the NFL PA sucks. They do, right? They're just awful. They're just like, your, 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 your dues you paid got you nowhere, right? Just, you just gave away free money, right? But I will say this. I, I, I think that that case is going to be heard this week. There's going to be decision this week because they don't want Watson to be on the field on Friday. Well, you bring up an interesting point, Brad, <laughs> that I've actually asked this question, and Tim, I'd love to get your opinion on this. If you know he's going to miss time, if you know he's going to miss six or more, would you play him at Jacksonville just to see what you've got, just to try to knock some of that rust off because you know he's been out a year. The injury risk is limited. I had this conversation with Zach Jackson, my partner at The Athletic, and Zach said, listen, if you're not playing your first-string offensive line, you're not playing Deshaun, so it's a non-starter. He's not going to play. That's the way the NFL trends. I just wonder if you – and now I also believe if the decision comes down that he's out for the year, he's probably out of the building and you, he's not even eligible to play. But let's say for the case of this argument, he's eligible to play Friday. Would you throw him out there at all just to get a look at him and just to let him get some live snaps? Or does preseason not matter to an NFL quarterback? Yeah, I would, personally. If it if I were Kevin Stefanski, I would get him out there if he's eligible to play, obviously, and, and get him some reps. You know, like we've all talked about, the guy hasn't played football in a long time. So I don't care how talented you are, there's a level of, of rust there and, the, you know, just getting used to the game speed again. So I would put him out there and get some reps, man. You know, this is a new system for Deshaun, um, you know, new, new players in the huddle with him. I would get him as comfortable as I possibly could. While, it, you know, it's just a preseason game, I understand. But, you know, for Deshaun, I think it means a little more right now at this point where, you know, he hadn't played in a while. His situation is kind of up in the air. I'm sure he wants to go out there and play a little bit. And, you know, so when the, when the time comes, when the regular season rolls around, if he is eligible this year, that he has had some reps and he feels somewhat comfortable within the system. You know, Tim, I'm going to say I'm going to take that a step further. I'm exactly with you. Listen, I mess around. I I play. I throw a whole PR strategy together because you know he good. He you know he gonna come out there and look nice. He gonna come out here running around doing his thing. I play my whole dog on half. They be mad at me. I play my whole half, and then people will be like, "Wow, this kid is so good," but we can't have him because he's under suspension. I need people to realize and understand. I think from a standpoint, you got to give Deshaun Watson. As a human being, you got to give him something to be excited about, something to look forward to. He been getting killed for two years. He had heard all yep. the crazy stuff. Get him out there. Get the get the blood going. Get lathered up. Get a sweat. See a couple touchdowns on the board, so he can at least say, "All right, I know what this feel like. Let's keep it going." And and I'm gonna take my little sit out, but I'm gonna tell you what. At least I feel good in my morale back up. 
Yeah, you know, I, I would totally agree with that. You know, we talk about Deshaun and his situation. You know, we always talk about, you know, his the physical part of it, you know, not being on the football field. But we, we don't talk a whole lot about the mental toll that pro this probably has taken on him. You know, oh, I don't absolutely. know what he's going through. But, you know, having having your name slandered across national TV and media and the Internet for two years has to take a toll on a guy. So getting him back out, out on the football field where that's where he's comfortable, that's what he does, that's who he is. I totally agree with you, man. Let him get out there, throw some touchdowns, get back to feeling like Deshaun Watson again, and start the recovery process as, as a human being, getting back to being, you know, doing the right things off the field so you can do the right things on the field like, like he has done already, um, you know, so far in his career. And I say uh, to your point, G and, and Tim, he's he taking hits everywhere. I mean, they got the National Masseuse yeah. Con Conference here. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. crazy. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm I'm like, I'm like, right yeah. I'm like, I'm like, so this is crazy. But let's talk about this, right? Because the way this set up, Tim, the way this is set up in the NFL PA and, and the collective bargaining with the NFL, the decision from Harvey is supposed to be the final and just the final determination of this case. Mm -hmm. So you know which way it typically is probably going to trend. So they have to be ready to file. The only way he's hitting the field on Friday is they're going to file for a, tempor a, a temporary injunction mm -hmm. to have some relief here. Right. Right. That's the only way he's hitting the field here. And if they go that case, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look more like uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Tom Brady for him to hit the field. So he may be playing the first seven, eight games before they come to it. Mm -hmm. Because the other way, if you go the other way, they don't want no parts of him being around here at all. Yeah. None. Yeah. Right. So. If this is the case, and the Browns have to, the Browns have to figure it out. Have already figured out what two avenues. There's only two roads to travel. You don't have ten roads. There's only this road or that road. And so, if you're going to go that road, then they better have be having some conversation because if they have no intention of, of, of seeing Watson to after game a week twelve, they don't need to even have him out here. Yeah, they at least got, they got to go quickly. Tyvis, you had a question. Yeah, Tim. Now that outside of the D wide stuff and give me an offensive player that you looking forward to watching this Friday. That's not named Nick Chubb, which he probably ain't playing anyway. And Amari Cooper. Yeah, you know, I think from from what I'm seeing and you know, coming out notes coming out of training camp and stuff, the young wide receiver, Michael Woods, you know, I think a, a six round draft pick, you know, a guy that, you know, you're not expecting too much out of right away uh, as, a, as a six round pick, but he's really stepped up. You know, the Browns have had some injuries in the, in the wide receiver room. Some guys have missed some practices and that's given him an opportunity to step up and man, they have to be really excited about that kid and the way he's been able to, you know, get himself ready to understand the playbook, to go out there and, you know, show what he's physically capable of. You got to be mentally right before you can get physically right on the field. And the way he's picked up the playbook this quickly and uh, he's able to go out and perform right now and he's making plays all over the field on a daily basis in camp. So I'm looking forward to seeing him play, uh, you know, and then uh, maybe on the defensive side of the ball guy like A.J. Green, you know, a guy who went undrafted, you know, and he, he's already performing out in training camp right now and hearing some good things about him as well. So some of these younger guys, uh, it's going to be fun to see, um, you know, what, what they can bring to the team this year. Tim, I want to circle back. We've beaten the horse to death, but... <laughs> But I'm gonna pick up one more leg and drop it again. Keep coming. <laughs> it's going nowhere anytime if, soon. But no, if, uh, if if Deshaun's out for the year, and that's the final answer, I maintain you have to go get Jimmy G. There is no other choice because right now you've downgraded the position from Baker to Jacoby Brissett is a downgrade. Right. And you can't go into a season with Jadavian Clowney and Amari Cooper and expect these dudes to compete in October, November, and December when Jacoby Brissett's your quarterback and they came here expecting to play for a Super Bowl. Why 
what, what do you see in Jimmy? I see a competitor, a guy who's won at a high level in this game. He has his flaws. But for people who mm-hmm. haven't studied him every day, what do you like about him? What don't you like about him? And do you think he would fit here as a one-year fill-in if there is no Deshaun Watson? I think absolutely he would be a good fill-in for a year. You know, I mean, you're, you're talking about bringing a guy into an organization that has a, a great running game already, a great offensive line. There's not many quarterbacks that you can find, you know, at that level that aren't going to be successful in that situation. So a guy like Jimmy, who's a proven winner in this league, he's taken a team deep in the playoffs. He's won a lot of football games. Uh, you know, he's proven himself. You know, you see his stats right there, 71 touchdowns, 38 picks. Uh, so you, you see he takes care of the football. Uh, he puts the ball in the end zone. He, he, he understands, you know, how to be a professional quarterback in this league. And I think, you know, he's uh, he's got a lot of a lot of reps, a lot of game reps. And uh, he, he could probably come in and, and pick up uh, this offense right away. So I would feel good about Jimmy Garoppolo being here. You know, I think it's, um, you know, Jacoby Brissett, I think, is a, is a good football player. But like you said, I don't think he's a guy you want to try and go into a season with and try to make a Super Bowl run. I think he's kind of a guy who can maybe hold it down for a few games until Deshaun comes back. But, you know, if Deshaun's not coming back, I, I certainly would probably go a route looking for a, you know, more proven guy uh, like, like a Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, you know, Tim, we talk about Jimmy G. Um, there's a couple of things. You look at his cap number. Um, you know, I, I didn't. I never thought about this. This is this is kind of crazy. It's like the Cleveland Browns are in the same position as the 49ers. You take a look at they traded three picks for Trey Lance, right? And then Trey Lance didn't play the first year, right? We traded three first round picks for Deshaun Watson, and he didn't play the first year. So it all, but the guy that was the common denominator is Jimmy G. He started in place for Trey Lance. He didn't see the field like that. Now you got you got a guy like Jimmy G. Who's available. I flip flopped on this about four times. I'm just man, I'm, I'm 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 the Miami Dolphin. I've been flip flopping on this thing for weeks now. And one day I like Jimmy G. The other day, but but one thing I can't. Maybe he's one of these guys. And you see if you you vibe with me on this. He's one of them guys. Maybe it, it don't translate in the, what you're looking at on film or on tape, but I can't lie. He just wins. He, I mean, to he go does. into a Lambeau Field and win at the, in, in the snow is crazy. Then to be a guy who was in a championship game, the Super Bowl against Pat Mahomes, and they had a chance to win that game. Jimmy G just does it. Is it just something where he's just a winner and maybe it might not translate to the, the eye test? Yeah, you know, I think you probably go back to, you know, his history in the league. You know, he, when he came into the league, he's sitting behind Tom Brady. Um, you know, you're sitting in a meeting room with Tom every day watching the greatest ever do it, uh, prepare and study and get ready for a game and how to win games. And, you know, there, there's an art to that, you know, of how, how to take care of the football, when to be aggressive in certain situations throughout points of the game. And I think Jimmy G obviously picked up some of that from Tom. And, uh, you know, he learned how to win games in this league and obviously being coached by Belichick. Like, he came from a great organization where he learned how to do these things. And like you said, the stats may not be eye-popping, but the guy wins football games. He gives you an opportunity to win games. And, I, you know, I think he does that by, you know, not doing – too much not doing all the flashy stuff but he takes care of the football he makes the throws that are available when they're there and if you give him a great running game like they have in Cleveland I think he could be a very successful quarterback McNuggets you got a stat that you wanted to give um, really quickly talk about this situation yeah we talk about wins and that's the most important quarterback stat at the end of the day in his career Jimmy G is 33 and 14 as a starter and five and two in the playoffs I'm gonna say that one more time 33 and 14 and five and two in the playoffs. All right, so let me let me say one thing here. So 
when you look at Jimmy G, there, there, there's something here, and I'm just a person who, who, who knows sports. I mean, just mm-hmm. players. There's something wrong, right? Because everywhere he goes, they don't really like him at the end, right? They don't the like team him. doesn't. They the locker room loves him. No, the team. There's something about him that keeps him staying on the team. Yeah. Where it's something because the people in San Francisco at the end, they were they were done with him. Right? You mean the wait fans. a minute? Hold on. Wait, yes. wait, Brad. Wait. Yes, he wasn't. They weren't done with him in New England. That's not what happened. What happened was they they forced Bill Belichick to make a trade. Robert Kraft said you have to trade I, Jimmy G, and well, he here. picked he, he single handedly picked San Francisco because he knew Kyle Shanahan was a great offensive mind, and he knew that Jimmy G would be able to flourish in that offense. Time That's is, how he ended up. Is he still in New England? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. No, he got traded. Okay. He got forced is he, out. Is he, is, he yeah, being, he is, he being, is he being forced out of San Francisco? He is being forced okay. out of San Francisco. So just stay with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no matter what hey, you say, this is what's that's happening, not fair, here, right? I'm not saying it's. Belichick I'm not saying it's a fair morning. label. I'm saying this is what's being attached to him right here. You can listen to the national pundits; they all got different uh, interpretations of Jimmy G, right? And all of them not glorious. They're well, not. Well, right? we're but, not, I, but I was. But I'll say this though. I don't think the Browns can make a move on Jimmy G till they figure out what happens with Watson. Of course, right? So this this, this Jimmy G conversation is going nowhere till we figure out how Watson playing the so, game. So here's the, here's the thing: if, if Watson, if we take it that Watson is twelve, so let's meet let's meet. We'll say Watson playing this year. Say it's twelve. Does it make sense if they go get Jimmy G in his twelve games? Here's where it gets difficult. I think I mentioned this last week. If it's 12, now Deshaun's contract counts for this year. Right. Which means his contract counts for next year. So he's 55 million against the cap next year. Right. So right now they've got all this cap space that they can roll over onto next year's cap. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you go get Jimmy, you can't roll that money over. You're giving it to him. Now you can restructure his deal a little bit. But I think that really puts them at a difficult spot. I still think you really have to look at making that deal because I don't want to play 12 games with Jacoby Brissett. I'm fine with six, even eight. I don't want to play 12 well, we'll, games with Jacoby we'll Brissett. Take, take this, and I want everybody. I want Tim. I want Tyvis to weigh in here. Everybody on this panel. What do you think the odds of, of him coming out on the top side of this thing with Harvey is? Slim to none. Slim. Zero. Slim to none. Right. Tim. Slim yeah. to none. Right. So that slim means to none, yeah. Tyvis slim to none. None. All right. So now <laughs> that only leaves one avenue here. There's really only one road here for him to be playing this year. To walk into Delaware Court or any jurisdiction that's favorable that he feels is favorable to him to give him a chance to play. And if that's the case, he getting the first seven, eight games in here before they'll deal with this thing. Right? So if that's the case, you still gonna get Jimmy G? Uh <laughs> here here's here and Tim, I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna put you a quarterback. I, I, it all goes to to me. The in, the question is, how high can I go? If I if I don't got Deshaun Watson, 
what is my ceiling with Jacoby Brissett? And what is my ceiling with Jimmy G? If my ceiling with Jimmy G is I can get to the playoffs. If I can get to the playoffs, I just saw the Bengals run through some stuff. If I get to the playoffs, I didn't see I can give myself a chance. Do you feel Jimmy G could get you there to a place Jacoby Brissett couldn't? I do. I think Jimmy G's a better football player. I think he's more of a proven guy in this league. I think Jacoby Brissett, you know, you're talking about hopefully a guy, if he's in there for six games, you know, you're hoping you know, to maybe go a couple games over 500, maybe flirting around 500, just to, you know, win some games and, you know, pull out a couple of close games at the end. I think with Jimmy G, you're talking about a guy, if he comes in, you're thinking, you know, we heard his, his win-loss record since he's been in the NFL. You're thinking about a guy who can take you deep in a playoff run because he's done it before. He's been there, done that. He's proven. Uh, so, yeah, I, w- I would probably say Jimmy G would, uh, would certainly be an upgrade and somebody that would raise the expectation level way higher if, he, if he's the guy in there under center. All right, Tim, and Lemon, I'm glad you said that, right? Because I, I don't think there's any question that he has delivered wherever he's he played at a high level mm-hmm. for most times that he's been in both of his locations. Let me ask you this, though, Tim. You've been quarterback in this town. So, Jimmy G, we bring him in here, and he plays good football here, right? Mm-hmm. And then at some point, Watson becomes available. What happens here? What happens? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, with Deshaun, you know, you're talking about a huge financial commitment there. We're talking about $230 million guaranteed. I don't think anyone's taking his job. You know, I think that, no, you know, the way they've committed here, because this town runs on public opinion. It does. Right. Yes. I, I know. I, I've experienced that for sure. But I think, I think still, you know, even I don't, th- I don't think it matters how well Jimmy G plays. I think the fan base is always going to say we want Deshaun Watson in there because, you know, we're talking about a, probably a top five guy in the league with Deshaun when he's when he's healthy and in there under center. I think they're always going to want to see Deshaun in the game if he's eligible and um, and able to be out on the field. So I understand uh, I understand the question. I think, you know, it, uh, where you're going. But I think at the end of the day, people are always going to want to see Deshaun because we're talking about, you know, like I said, an elite football player who can is obviously a better player than Jimmy G who can, you know, take you to places that this franchise hasn't been before. Oh, man. See, Tim, look at that screen. I'll be forgetting. I'm, and I'm going to let you get in yeah. here, Tyvis. I heard I heard you up there. 14,000 already? Like, I'm looking. Look at the yeah. touchdown to interception. Yeah. 104 is... to 36, man. That's so impressive. Oh, Tyvis, what you got, man? I'm sick. My stomach a little bit. I don't I like was, this, man. I was just, just going to say, if Jimmy G came here... First of all, everybody knows I'm a, I'm a Jimmy G fan because I played with the guy for two years, and the guy's an incredible leader. The work ethic is unbelievable, so he's definitely a guy that will raise the atmosphere because I think okay. once that Deshaun watched the news hit, that that locker room, it felt it a little bit. Like, wow, the guy who's come in this offseason has been the leader, has brought the energy here. We won't be able to go to war with him on Sundays. Okay. Jimmy G does come in and bring that energy back. Like, okay, now guys, it's like, all right, this dude then won some games. So we we got a shot at this Super Bowl thing still. You know, granted, last year in San Francisco, his he got scrutinized for their the defense happened to carry him. But if you look at our defense, our defense is, could be just as good as San Francisco. So if you want to play that game, we're we looking at the AFC championship game as if we want to go there. Now, Deshaun Watson shouldn't have to worry about ever losing his job because he can do things that Jimmy G cannot do. The reason that Kyle Shanahan is getting rid of Jimmy G is because Jimmy G does come with limitations and he does have an injury problem. 
That is a fact. That's why Trey Lance is coming in there and taking that spot open. They want to open that playbook up a tad bit more. It's a couple of things that Jimmy G did not excel at at his time in San Francisco. But Kyle Shanahan is a smart uh, smart coach and didn't put him in situations where he would be exposed to those things. So Kevin Stefanski will come in with us having that great running game that we have. Yes, we're going to lean on that, but also – I think Jimmy G can make all those throws that Baker Mayfield could not make last year when he was hurt. So with that being said, if he can make those plays, that does make us a very good playoff team and even a Super Bowl contender. So therefore, that's my whole spiel on the Jimmy G, Deshaun Watson debate. Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson's job whenever he's able to play because he can do more for this offense than Jimmy G can. Okay, I'm going to need you to get a uh, Tyvis. A Tyvis Powell mural behind you to make that little room look sweet behind you, right? The mic is hitting like nobody. Oh, what is that? That's a is that a wedding bouquet your wife caught? You like that? You ain't see that? I can tell y'all what, Tyvis. Tyvis uh, <laughs> and Jason, they're really kind of so they slowly. I don't know whose PowerPoint presentation you stole, Tyvis, because that didn't even sound like you. That stole you stole the hell out of that. No, no, no. That, that looked no, pretty that's, good. That's that all good. Good. No, no, no. no, Mikey, go back to Tim's setup. Look at Tim's setup, bro. <laughs> Let's go to Tim Couch's setup. Look at that setup right there. Oh yeah. Look, there there's 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 football, <laughs> UK. You ain't he no got good. high school trophies. Got it all. Hey man, got it all, man. Tim looked like he got he got a he got a fifty thousand dollar tractor outside. <laughs> ain't even no car. <laughs> this just a John Deere. This is John Deere right here. You know that Kentucky is all about the tractor. Along, they don't care. You, you get a little truck. He got a stable where he got a couple. He got a couple horses. He got thoroughbreds back okay. there outside. He, he trained. I'm sure. Tyvis, if we pull our money together, we can do something. Maybe one day we'd be all right. What's wrong? Wait, wait. look. What's wrong with this though? <laughs> <laughs> I work with Tyvis because he's going to be remote a couple of days this week. Bleed, bleed, bleed over to Tim's setup. <laughs> I work with Tyvis. We'll, we'll get him set up by the end of the week. Man, I'll tell you what. Tim, uh, let, before we go, I'm going to say you before we get you out of here, I got, I got one more question. Now, when you, when you look at this thing uh, with Kevin Stefanski, uh, because when I look at it, no matter what he's going to do, I think that the biggest bullseye on the squad this year is not Andrew Barry. It's not the ownership. It's Kevin Stefanski. And I think it's just a process of elimination. It, at first, they was like, oh, we got to get done Odell Beckham Jr. We get him up out of here. Oh, Baker wasn't hitting it right. We ain't doing his thing. He ain't hitting, he hitting his receivers. And he's a locker room situation. We got to get him. He's gone. The trickle down theory goes. It's right up to the coach now. And he's going to have to implement a new uh, a new system. He's going to have to be calling the plays on point. He's going to have to figure out how to get Chubb and Hunt the ball at the same time. Implementing his defense, Miles Garrett. And by the way, Miles Garrett is vocal now. Miles Garrett got that badge now, the NFL badge where they give you the, the C, and all of a sudden you get to just show up at the press conferences. Tim, his he has to have the most difficult job. In the entire NFL, do you agree Kevin Stefanski got the biggest spotlight in the world on him? It's, he's definitely in the spotlight, man. He's got a lot of moving parts to this football team. He's got an entirely new 
quarterback room. He's got to get ready to play football. He's got one quarterback situation that's completely up in the air. So, you know, he's got to balance that, uh, like you said, that balancing act of getting two guys ready, uh, you know, getting Jacoby Brissett ready to start the season. You have to anticipate he's going to be the guy. And then, you know, trying to get Sean Watson some reps and getting him, you know, uh, familiar and, and comfortable within the system. And, you know, Nick Hub, uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt situation, trying to figure out how to keep those guys happy, keep the football in their hands. So there, there's a lot of moving parts to this football team right now. And he, he is absolutely probably, you know, I, I can't think of anyone else under more of a spotlight as far as head coaches go uh, coming into the season. And he's got a very talented roster that everyone's expecting to make a deep run. So he's got to figure this stuff out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy. Hopefully he can. Um, you know, I'd love to see him put it all together because they do have a lot of a lot of pieces in place to make a deep run. Yeah, Tim, you, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think the heat is is on Stefanski to a degree, but I will tell you what, and it could only be amplified after Friday. First of all, we don't want Hunt walking around here like the hands, like he can't see, I can't catch a pass, I I, something's wrong. Yeah. So we got to keep him to keep yeah. him together, right? And the worst thing that could happen on Friday is Brissett comes out and look like a bum. He ain't going to play. Yeah. Uh, they won't play with Jacoby. He's not going to play. If they play him on Friday and he doesn't play well, oh, it's, it's, it's oh, yeah, the level going to a – They'll be on the phone. They call it Jimmy G. They be calling Tyvus to get to Jimmy G. Tyvus, you know how to get to Jimmy G. <laughs> Tyvus got all those 49ers numbers, man. <laughs> hey, and Harbaugh. Hey, Tim McNuggets, before you let him go, you got something. Yeah, Tim, before we let you go, uh, we saw you posted something yesterday. You were on with CNN talking about the flood relief and how people can still donate to the disaster right, in well. Eastern Kentucky. How, is it still open? How can yeah. people donate? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for bringing it up. Uh, so I was able to go on CNN and talk about what's happened in the area of the state where I grew up. And, you know, I was able to go down there uh, earlier last week and, and help uh, unload semi-trucks and pass out supplies to people and just kind of be on the ground there and hear people's stories of what all the devastation and losing everything. Some people lost, you know, homes and cars. Other people had family members that lost their lives. So it's been devastating what's happened there. And, you know, I teamed up with ARH, uh, who's a, a regional health care provider there in eastern Kentucky. And they, they're doing an outstanding job of, of helping people get the supplies they need and, and still obviously asking for supplies. And you can go to ARH.org if you're interested in, uh, in donating supplies or, or financially uh, committing to that. Uh, whatever you want to do to help, you can go there to ARH.org and, and help those people out because it's going to be a very, very long recovery process for the people in that area. Tim, thank you so much for joining us and shout out to you for what you're doing in the community um, and doing things for people down in Kentucky who are in need. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. I appreciate you guys. See you next week. All, All right. right now. See ya. See you, Tim. Tim, couch in Thanks. the building. I'll tell you what, man. We hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.